you've heard that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. When you hear that, you kind of wonder, with the success rate so low, why even bother? Uh, maybe you're not a believer, and you're wondering, is, is there any point in marriage? Now, the problem with these statistics is that they're not true. They're not even close to true. Here are the real stats. 72% of those who have ever been married are still married to their first spouse. And the 28% who aren't includes everyone who was married for many years. Oh, slow down. Who was married for many years until a spouse died. So adding in uh, the, uh, the rate of widowhood, uh, uh, Shondi Felden uh, thinks that the real uh, divorce rate is about 20 to 25%. Then... Uh, she uh, collaborated with George Barna, a religious pollster, and uh, here's what they found. If the person who was in church last week, if the person was in church last week, their divorce rate dropped by 27%. Overall, regular church attendance lowers the divorce rate anywhere from 25 to 50%. So what they found is that if you're a regular churchgoer, which suggests you're growing mature in your faith, uh, you have much less chance of, of facing divorce. F- uh, Feldon figures it's about 15% for a growing Christian. 85% are still in their first marriages. My point is that if you're single, anywhere from a teenager to in your 80s, and you're hoping to get married or married again someday, marriage is not some old-fashioned, washed-up tradition that's pointless. And if you're married and struggling in your marriage, don't give up assuming that divorce is inevitable. This is the sixth in our series of messages called Living by Faith. This is the third message where we're talking about Jacob. Each week we've seen him growing in faith. God wants you and me to live by faith. I want to share with you four ways that Jacob lived by faith and was growing in living by faith. And in this case, it had to do with the whole matter of finding a mate. First, he looked for a believer to marry. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. This is a cry of many mother, a Christian mother and father today. I want my son or daughter to marry a Christian, but it's getting harder and harder to find them. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Haram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourselves there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Isaac wanted to spare Jacob the pain of marrying someone who would turn his heart away from God or who would not share his interest 
and his love for God. May God bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants blessing given to Abraham. Abraham was his grandfather. So that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. So Jacob set out for a foreign country to find a mate who was a fellow believer in God. Two, by faith he pursued his purpose. Uh, While Jacob was traveling to Padan Aram, he had an encounter with God in which he reminded him of his purpose. Uh, It came in the form of a dream. Uh, Dreams are one of the ways God communicates with people. Uh, He still does it today. It's one of the main ways people of Muslim faith become Christians. They, They have a dream and they see a vision of Jesus or they have a dream and they see a vision of somebody they know and, and, and they're told to go talk to that person. This person turns out to be a Christian and they come to faith in Christ. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven, to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. This is what we call a theophany, an Old Testament encounter or appearance of God. Uh, We find that Jacob had seven of these encounters with God uh, recorded in the book of Genesis. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west the east, to the north, and the south, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Uh, Jacob was the father of the Hebrew nation, and through that nation, which uh, resulted in the coming of Christ, and then the beginning of Christian faith, through that nation, God has blessed the world. Practically all orphanages, all schools, all hospitals, legal systems find their beginnings in the Judeo-Christian faith. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Uh, Jacob was being uh, uh, strengthened in his faith. He's repented of his uh, misdealings with uh, Esau. Now he's learning to live by faith. God was reminding Jacob that he was to become the father of a great nation that would bless the world. And that he would bring him back to this land, the land of Canaan, as a possession. Jacob was on a trip to find a mate. But he knew that when he found his soulmate, she would need to want to become part of God's purpose. When we lose sight of our purpose as followers of Christ, it's easy to lower the bar in seeking a mate. 
But when you understand that God wants to do great things through you, then you look for someone who shares that vision. When I met Jory, she was a young widow. She had gotten married young in college. A few months into their, <clears throat> into their marriage, her husband was diagnosed with inoperable uh, spinal cancer. Going through that whole trauma of sickness and death uh, just turned Jory's world upside down. When he died, she wondered, well, now what? She was studying uh, to be a K-12 through art teacher. And when she graduated, she did that for three years and did a fantastic job. She was also a double major in sociology. She has a master's in social work. Uh, that has served her well in her work with Kidspire, working with orphans and adoption. Uh, she also has a degree recently she got in early childhood education. That's helped her with her work leading a preschool for Kidspire in Lake Oswego. She was married to a man who was studying to become a pastor. So she was preparing to become a pastor's wife. Now what? So she decided she would volunteer in some form of Christian work. She volunteered with Young Life. Well, I was the leader of a Young Life club, and she became my head girls' leader. When we met, we were already on the same wavelength. I was studying to be a pastor. We both wanted to reach people who didn't know Christ. We were passionate about that. We already shared the same purpose in life. Second, by faith, he looked for someone. This is third point, I think. By faith, he looked for someone who rang his chimes. When I began to date Jory, I was talking with one of my friends at the seminary, and he, said, he asked me, does she ring your chimes? I said, oh, yeah. He said, good, that's really important. Uh, too many times we underrate the importance of this. Uh, this powerful sense that the person is the most attractive person in the room is very important. Marital love is based on a God-given, irresistible attraction between a man and a woman. In Genesis 29, we come to a love story that reads more like a reality TV show than something you would expect to find in the first book of the Bible. It's like Bachelor B.C. Jacob has left his home, and he's gone to uh, the home of his mother's brother. And when he gets there, almost immediately, he falls in love with one of Laban's daughters, named, a, a, a gal named Rachel. While he was talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. So they had that in common. Jacob was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Now, wells in those days, uh, they would be covered uh, to, to uh, stop theft. Typically, it would take two to three or four men to roll away the stone. But Jacob was so moved 
by meeting Rachel that he powered the stone out of the way all by himself. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep. He had been looking for a wife. And when he found her and when he kissed her, he was so moved with emotion that he began to cry. He had set out on a journey to find a wife. And I don't know if he knew, if he thought he would really find one. And when he did, he was so grateful to God that he began to weep. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah, so she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home, and there Jacob told him all these things. I think Jacob told him that his mother and father told him, don't marry a Canaanite. Go to your relatives and find someone who's a fellow believer. I'm sure he told him that his purpose, that God had given him the purpose to be a father of a great nation and that he was to return to the land of Canaan. I'm pretty sure he told him how he had... uh, Uh, worked to get uh, Esau's birthright, and then he had fooled his father into giving him the blessing, and that Esau was so angry with him, he vowed to kill him. So he was partly there to save his life. And then I'm sure he told them about his powerful attraction to Rachel. Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Laban expected that uh, Jacob would uh, give something for his daughter, so Laban wanted to know what the price would be. He knew that Jacob was in love with Rachel, so he figured he would probably, Jacob would probably set a higher price than he would. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now, saying that Leah had weak eyes doesn't mean that she couldn't see or that she needed thick, you know, horn-rimmed glasses. Uh, It may have actually been a compliment. But if you're set up on a blind date and you ask, well, what does she look like? And your friend says, well, she has good eyes, you know you're in trouble. Jacob was in love With Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. That was a high price. I'll work for you for seven years. Laban found the offer so generous that he closed on the deal at once. Jacob agreed to work with him for seven years. It was a high price, but she rang his chimes, so he was happy to do it. If you're dating someone who's a potential mate, make sure you ring each other's chimes. This powerful attraction comes from God. Jacob looked for a believer. He pursued his purpose to serve God. He found someone who rang his chimes. And fourth, by love, his love overcame God 
all obstacles. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Uh, This uh, raises the phrase, uh, swept off his feet to a whole new level. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed, and I want to make love to her. Uh, Once he'd fulfilled his seven years, they had a wedding feast. Then Laban pulled off a fast one. In the dark of night, he slipped in his older daughter, Leah, wearing a veil over her face. It seems almost like this is impossible, this boldly conceived plan to be pulled off. But Jacob had no reason to be suspicious. The two sisters, although different in facial features, probably were pretty similar in physical makeup. And remember, it was night. She's wearing a veil. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. When morning came, there was Leah. Uh, This is one of the meanest pranks ever pulled on a man. And Jacob took Laban to task. He was angry. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? I served you faithfully for seven years for Rachel, and this is what you do to me? Come on. Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the young one also in return for another seven years of work. So if if Jacob uh, goes through the bridal week, seven days, then Laban says, I'll give you Rachel. But then in return, you have to work for me for seven more years. And Jacob did so. He finished the bridal week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than than his love for Leah. Jacob Jacob loved Rachel, but didn't have any romantic interest in Leah. So after the seven-day bridal week, Laban gave Jacob Rachel as well. But then in order to keep her, Jacob signed on for another seven years of work. Jacob loved Rachel so much, his love overcame all obstacles. The next uh, several chapters uh, tell us that Jacob worked the seven more years. Then he worked another six years. During that time, God blessed him with 11 sons and one daughter. God is in favor of monogamy, not bigamy. It was not Jacob's intent to come home with two wives, but Laban tricked him. As a result, there was all kinds of jealousy in their home. The wives were vying for his attention. Jacob clearly loved Rachel more, but Leah became the mother of seven of his children, so she gained a central role in that family. We also learn that Jacob was blessed with wealth. Uh, He joined Laban in the livestock business, and Jacob had such a high IQ that he figured out how to breed sheep and goats so that his flocks grew in number while Laban's Uh, decreased. The main thing we learned during these chapters 
was that Jacob was learning to live with less reliance on himself and to live more by faith in God. Whether it is in finding a mate or finding a job or whatever it is, God wants you and me to live by faith. If you've never committed your life to Christ, you can do so right now as we pray. Just tell Him that you believe that He's the Son of God and He died for your sins and ask Him to come into your life and tell Him you want to live by faith. Father, we thank You for these chapters we've looked at about the life of Jacob and how You helped him find a wife who was a fellow believer and shared his purpose, rang his chimes, and he learned to live by faith. And Father, we want to do the same. We want to live by faith. I want to invite you to pray right now, just for a moment. Tell God you want to live by faith this week and not try to run things on your own strength. Uh, You pray. Thank you, Father, that you are a great God and that you care so much about us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.